1: A huge thank you to Neon, our favourite New Zealand streaming service, for making this episode of Culture Vulture possible. Kia ora everybody. I'm feeling a little bit cray right now. Liv, how are you feeling? Honestly, a bit, yeah. I'm feeling... (laughs) Like I'm already exposed. I know. <laughs> so I'm feeling vulnerable. I know. I. I mean, often we feel vulnerable on this mic, but I feel like it's that anticipation of something that's about to bubble out of you, I even know. though we're building this up again. We're building this whole. Oh, well,
0: up. to be honest, I feel like that about this whole episode. Like, because I've just sat down yeah. for you know an hour and a half and finished off my research. You know, when you've just got so much in your head and it just needs to but like spill out. Yes. That's how I'm feeling right now.
1: So before we absolutely spill our guts, everyone, welcome to another episode of Culture Vulture. As always, you're joined by Liv and I. You can guess who I is. (laughs) (laughs) Lucy is looking fantastic today. The hair is pink. Pink hair. Pink Um, hair. We are discussing... Quite a prickly topic today, but kind of a fun, quite prickly because we are podcasters and we're talking about yes. Spotify and the politics of Spotify. A little bit meta. A little bit meta, not Mark Zuckerberg's version of meta. No, but no, no. It's in platform inside platform. We're talking about Spotify and the politics around, like, you know, I don't want to say censorship. I more just want to say being responsible with the people that you pay and who's on your platform. And just, like, making sure information's sort of good. Exactly. So we're going to be talking, naturally, Joe Rogan's going to come up a few times, but it's actually not about him. And that will that will suck for him to hear, because he does follow Cisco, <laughs> and he definitely listens to this. Yeah,
0: sorry, Joe, you're more just the vehicle You are this the discussion.
1: Ve- great. Mm. What a great way to put it, Liv. Shit.
0: It's actually um, foreshadowment.
1: Oh. <laughs> foreshadowment? <laughs> Is that Foresha- a word? Well, maybe foreshadowing, <laughs> oh. but I do get Um... And we're going to have, obviously, Naughty or Nice, where we get into this random When We Were Young festival, and whether it's a scam, whether it's fire yeah, festival. so
0: interesting. We talk
1: a little bit about Sydney Sweeney, because we love her, and then we've got a few other Naughty or Nices. But first, Liv, please tell me what describes your week.
0: Okay, Lucy. I mean, Lucy already knows, but I'm going to sort of go over it again for you all, <laughs> as I'm sure you'd love to hear my terrible story. So, what describes my week is Hannah Montana. I was living a double life yep. for a little bit, you know, for a couple of days there.
1: <laughs> she thought it was going to be three months. And
0: it I came out. it was going to be three day. months. Basically, I've been totally exposed. <laughs> um, basically, I've been really rudely outed and my exposed. My secret is out. Um, and it actually follows on from Eat, Drive, Crash of last week. If you guys listened to that, um, where I actually left out some information about my trip. <laughs> oh my God,
1: this is a great setup to the story, you actual angel. Keep going.
0: <laughs> um, so, as you all know, I drove from Auckland to Wellington, um, to Wellington <laughs> last week. And – or was it two weeks ago? I don't even know at this point. But um, what I actually left out was – so I drove from Auckland to Taupo. All good. Great. And for any of you that know me, which is probably like two people (laughs) listening right now, you would know that my brain just does not work with directions. Like, it is probably – but, like, that part of my brain is actually missing. Like, I just can't do it. Yeah. And so, basically, I – Put in the wrong address to my friend's house, and it took me to like that address somewhere totally different. So I ended up from Topor in between Gisborne and Napier, and I was trying to get to Wellington. So it's like,
1: <laughs> so it like, she's gone down <laughs> and enough. then sideways, or like what, back up or Yeah, somewhere? no,
0: yeah. So I was like four hours away from Wellington, and then three hours later, I was six hours away from <laughs> Wellington. <laughs>
1: Oh, my God. But we've so, all done that to a lesser extent. When no, we, put in, we haven't no, all done when that. when we put in an address and it takes you to the wrong address and you follow it anyway, even if it's just, like, Mount Eden versus Newmarket. I like, we, honestly
0: follow maps like it's my fucking God. Like,
1: I <laughs> just... I'm like, you know, you know, know I don't know. Who am I to judge? Who am I to question you? Oh, so basically I clicked on
0: the hyperlink, you know, when someone sends you a text and then like with their address and then I just clicked on that hyperlink and I was like, yeah, it says I'll get to Wellington at 4.30pm. That's sort of when I was going to, yeah, that sounds right.
1: And then I just went for it.
0: I was on the phone to my mum in the car because I was fucking bored. Yeah. Driving by myself, by the way. Um... And I was, like, looking out the window and there was this beautiful coastal view. And I was like, "Mom, there's just the most gorgeous view at the moment. Like, you don't. You're not meant to be on the coast. No.
1: Like, the drive from fucking Auckland to Wellington is so boring.
0: Like, it didn't cross my mind. And then suddenly I just was like, I'm pretty sure I'm in the wrong place. Pull over. And then I saw Um. I was six hours away. I was meant to be there. I actually had a little bit of cry.
1: Yeah, I would have (laughs) raged. And then
0: so I ended up, I had to ring my friend being like, I'm not going to get there tonight. And she was like, you can stay at my mum's house in (laughs) Napier. (laughs) So shout out to Robin. You really saved me. We went for dinner, had a swim. It was lovely. But
1: yeah, so... <laughs> well, how'd the secret come out? Oh, You're yeah. missing half of the story, oh, man. Oh, yeah, my God. This is just normal Okay, up to now.
0: Okay, true. And then... Um Basically, I was like, I'm too humiliated. I can't tell anyone. Like, everyone already knows I'm shit with directions. I do this shit all the time. They'll be
1: like fucking classic live. She's already beating herself enough, beating herself up enough at this point. She didn't need it from all of us.
0: I was just like, if I tell my flatmates, like, they're actually just gonna rip into me. And, like, fair enough, it's funny, but like, I can't. But I'm sensitive. Yeah, I'm sensitive. I can't handle it right now. So I just didn't tell anyone. And then. Self preservation. Basically, what was it, two nights ago? Yeah. Um, Lucy, we are watching
1: Encanto.
0: We were watching Encanto, Lucy, Ruby, and I. And then um, this message appears in the flat group chat from our other flatmate, Tom. And he said, how did I not know that Liv ended up in Gisborne and it wasn't even out of her mouth that I found it out? Yeah. And I messaged him being like, shut up. I was <laughs> <I'm just> like, <laughs> remove the message. You're outing me. Turns out my mum had gossiped to everyone <laughs> she knew. Like, Tom's <laughs> from Auckland and yes. I'm from Blenheim. Yeah, like how the fuck did that trail happen? Anyway, basically,
1: someone told Tom we came from my mum's mouth. Yeah, She's I think <laughs> she said that this is probably gonna be the first culture vulture episode she listens to, and it's one where we're dragging it. She's never her. even doing this podcast. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh. My mum's the best person ever, but yeah. fuck, she's got a big mouth. Yeah. Anyway, so, yeah, that was my week. So then
1: Liv had to, like, sort of pause the movie and say, to say, I've got a secret, and me and Ruby's, like, bodies ran cold. Like, what the fuck? We tell each other it, literally everything. everything. Two days ago, me and Liv had just said, I don't think there's anything about me that you don't know, blah, blah, blah. I what did was I know? lying. She was harboring something. <laughs> um, and then, to be honest, I already know that Liv hates – I know that Liv beats herself up about shit because, like – I've, I've lived in flats with her my whole life, and I hate seeing people roast her for something I know she's already roasting herself about. So I wouldn't have roasted you anyway, because I know how you were. I work, know, but the, but boys, would the boys would have. The boys would have, and Flo. Yeah. Flo would have. Flo would so have. me and Ruby, don't worry everyone, we were very nice to live, but it was so <laughs> funny. <laughs> like,
0: roasting is fair enough in this yes. situation. But anyway, that was that. Oh, that's a great story. A bit red as we talk about it. Well, um, that's actually a great segue to oh, what describes okay, my great. week. okay, great. Yes, please do tell. So
1: what describes my week is rose, sometimes rosé and sometimes rosy. So Cute. we drunk. Oh, words. yeah, no, not really. <laughs> Just we drank a lot of rosé this True. weekend. My hair is also now rose-coloured. Um, my butt is quite sunburnt, so it's also rose-coloured. My cheeks are always rosy, and I just thought, like, the many variations of this word rose, no one's given me one yet, so actually, that could, um, be a nice <laughs> yes, addition that to could, my it week. could. If you want to send them in to me, don't know how you want me, good luck. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, what was your segue? That you're feeling rosy right now, you're feeling red? Yeah, I'm feeling red, I'm yeah. feeling red, so. So, yeah, that describes my week and your... Day, time, hour right and now. embarrassment.
0: Lizzie, you are a rosy gal. Honestly, I know we've already talked about it. The pink, fantastic.
1: So guys, every now and again I get bored and I've got blonde hair and I dye it pink. And honestly, I love it. I should do it permanently. But then I sort of get sick of it. So kind of good. It just washes out after four washes. Yeah. $30. Go and do honestly. it. Do <laughs> Go it and pink. do it. Now, Liv, let's get into... Naughty or Nice, yes. Because please. I'm very excited. Now, first of all, you're going to bring us one, which doesn't often happen. Oh, am I excited. the first story? You are the first story, so
0: make it really good. Okay, basically this was going to be our segment, and then more important things came onto the table. Yeah. Um, so this is the first Naughty or Nice. So it was announced on January 18th of this year that a new festival was coming to Las Vegas, one that had a lineup of unbelievably massive acts. This festival is called When We Were Young, and it has been described as the emo pop-punk dream with acts like Paramore and My Chemical Romance headlining. So that's pretty yeah. huge. Almost um, too
1: good to be true. Almost, almost too good to be
0: true. And it was meant to be a day, but then because of the huge amount of interest, they actually extended it to three days. But then one of the days is like a week after the other two days. Very strange. Um And a lot of people have sort of taken to TikTok, worrying that the festival is a scam. Some are calling it Fire Festival 2.0. I'm noticing a series of red flags. One red flag is the math of like, is the maths? Yeah. Oh, that's quite American of me, wasn't it? Is the maths of every band playing doesn't line up? So there was there's basically like 60 or
1: something Mm. acts, and they were saying Coachella, but they first wanted it on one day. Yeah,
0: exactly. But then they were saying that every act is going to play every day.
1: It, yeah, but it's like, like they, they can't call the fit. Yeah. People literally just did some pretty basic maths and was like, "No one, yeah, like you can't fit them all in on one isn't day.
0: Feasible, exactly." So that was red flag number one. Red flag number two was the tickets are really fucking expensive and non-refundable, which is kind of actually standard. Yeah. Um, for a festival, and then also people have been directed to a customer service number that didn't exist, and also apparently some acts didn't even know they were playing.
1: Yeah, that, I mean, that's what I saw. I wanted you to look into this just because I was like, it's, honestly, all these things are popping up, and I think because of Fire Festi- Festival and because it's run by Live Nation who were in charge of World, yes. everyone's like... I don't know if we trust this event. And maybe it's fine and we're all just a bit, like, hypercritical and sensitive at the moment. Exactly. But, like, this, I don't know.
0: It's all very weird. Um, but the organisers, as you said, Live Nation, have assured the media that the festival is as real as it gets. Okay. And that they were actually prepared for this public response regarding the huge acts involved. Like, they sort of knew that there'd be this whole <sighs> yeah. sort of thing. But, yeah, they've said it is absolutely going ahead. Gosh. Um, yeah. So naughty
1: or nice or in between or just interesting? Honestly,
0: okay, naughty in the sense of, like, non-refundable tickets in
1: a time of COVID. Oh, my God, yeah. And some and naughty if you haven't told some of the acts that they're playing. Yeah. Naughty that you haven't done your PR well enough to let these acts know that they need a promoter.
0: Exactly. Very strange. But then quite nice for that piece of nostalgia that it's going to do. nice if
1: it goes ahead. Yeah. we have to keep tabs on it, eh? Yeah, fuck yeah. Anyway, loose. That is Naughty or Nice number one. What is next? (laughs) Number two, Sydney Sweeney asked Euphoria creator to cut back on nude scenes. So me and Liv are going to do a whole episode on Euphoria because there's so much noise about it in the media, Mm. and it's a great show. And Liv keeps saying this thing that's just really smart. Like, Euphoria is right now facing, like, extreme tall poppy syndrome. When something's really good people have to tear it down and some of these thoughts are valid for sure but a lot of them are just like talk for talk's sake okay? yeah yeah definitely I am really excited to sort
0: of deep dive into that because I have
1: quite a lot of thoughts on the matter and I think one piece of context before because it's so easy sometimes to just blame the director especially mm-hmm. if it's like a white dude or whoever's in charge of this and lots of people are like levying some hate against Sam Levinson <laughs> Living, Yeah, I was, was like, that's great. Yeah. And Liv, you actually again told me the other day that like lots of euphoria and the storyline is actually based on his own experience of yes. like high school and drug abuse. Yeah. And so like before we just come at these people and are like, why are you glorifying this or portraying this like this? It's like, no, this hasn't come from nowhere. Even though fiction's fine, things can come from nowhere. But maybe a good bit of context to know that this came from his experience. Yeah,
0: I agree. I watched a panel with him and four of the co-stars. And, yeah, he was basically saying that he was a drug addict Mm. from, like, kind of teens to, like, 19. And it's still affecting his life sort of thing. So
1: this is the story that he's always wanted to tell. And Um, he's telling it. And he's telling it. So Sydney Sweeney, one of the, like breakout stars even though she was doing amazing stuff like pre and around euphoria she um went in the independent and she said there are moments where my character cassie was supposed to be shirtless and i'd tell sam i don't really think that's necessary here and then he said, okay, we don't need it. Now, we've noticed, obviously, there's a lot of nudity in Euphoria, a lot of, like, nudity from Sydney Sweeney in particular, but also from a lot of the dudes. Yeah, like, definitely. Like, there's a lot of full frontals in Euphoria. Like, and yes. so, it's, obviously, it's not just her, but she makes, she makes some very good points about, like, the difference between when a woman does it versus when a man does it. Anyway, she also said that, like, sam whenever she would say this sam would listen and wouldn't like you know make her do it no she said i've never felt like sam has pushed it on me or was trying to get a nude scene into an hbo show when i didn't want to do it he didn't make me she also and i thought this was interesting said that her work in euphoria she felt like it didn't receive the acclaim that it should have because she got naked. She was like, I'm very proud of my work in Euphoria. I thought it was a great uh, a great performance, but no one talks about it because I got naked. I do the White Lotus and all of a sudden critics are paying attention. People are loving me. They're going, oh, my God, what's she doing next? And I was like, did you not see... Did you not see – I was thing. in Euphoria. She's like fucking
0: amazing. Did you not see
1: me in The Handmaid's Tale? And she said that it's actually bothered her for a while that, like, she's being discredited because she's getting sort of naked it's in Euphoria. It's so
0: fair because, like, even when I think of her role in Euphoria, it is one of the first things that jumped to mind, which is probably my internalised misogyny. Because, Same. like, when you mentioned that there was quite a lot of male full frontal nudity – I struggle to think who that was. Same. And yet like Cassie is quite obviously, you know, yeah, naked a lot of
1: the time or some of the time. And that's what we've associated like yeah, with it's the fucked. Character. I know it, it that really would is. really fucked me off if I was Sydney Sweeney. She literally said like when a guy has a sex scene or shows his body, he still wins awards and gets mm. praise because it's like, oh my God, a dude's out there doing it. Even when, but when a woman does it, it's like completely different. It's like,
0: like it cheapens her,
1: her acting yeah. ability, which is just such bullshit. And it's like people then can't just say she's a great actor because they've seen her in Euphoria. They have to go and see The Handmaid's Tale and The White Lotus to then be like, yes, yeah, Sydney Sweeney's like such she's a good a actor. she's a reputable actor. Yeah, it's like, bro, you could have got that from like Euphoria season one. Uh-huh. Anyway, so I thought that was nice that she spoke out about it, and um, naughty of the people that are sort of like I see lots of TikToks being like, um, "Euphoria gets boring," Sam Levinson. Okay, like get your boobs out something. It's like no, that's actually not it. Yeah, exactly. That's not the point here. And again, I almost want to keep this quite brief. Same. That's what I was about to say. I I was was like, I can't wait to actually get into the nuts and bolts of this because. Oh, it's gonna be great. It's gonna be a great episode. Also, um, you can go and watch Euphoria on Neon. We probably should have said you can get a fourteen day free trial. Obviously, Neon sponsors this podcast, and it's where we watch it. I actually need to go and watch it tonight. Yes, yeah, same. I missed last night's episode, I know. so I can't wait. I'm kind of excited. Yeah. My next story: Jay Z teams up with Meek Mill, Kelly Rowland, and others to block rap lyrics from being used in court. Now, this story is a few weeks old, but I think it's actually real interesting. So. Basically, it's what you heard in the title. Jay-Z, a bunch of other rappers and musicians are pushing for prosecutors to stop using rap lyrics, like, in attempts to prove guilt during criminal trials. So they're backing a bill, I think it's in New York right now, um, called Rap Lyrics on Trial, which was proposed back in November by state senators to prevent prosecutors, as I said, from citing lyrics in, like, to use as clear and convincing proof. When I saw that you'd put this in the newsletter, I was shocked that they
0: had ever been able to use rap lyrics as, you know, proof against crime.
1: Literally, same, because, like, you have so many people that, like, I wrote, Talking Heads sing Psycho Killer, Bob Marley and the Wailers sing I Shot the Sheriff. I'm sorry, it's not like someone's going to kill a sheriff and go, well, they really enjoyed this song, I Shot the Sheriff, or they sang. I Shot oh my the God. Sheriff. Or like Billie Eilish's bellyache and how yes. she talks about, you know, her friends are dead in the car or whatever. Yes. Like, no, like, it's fictitious. Eminem's song, Stan. I'm sorry. Yeah. It's fucking fictitious. And actually, it is kind of a racial argument as well because a lot of rappers are black and black people are already more likely to be going to court, like, You know, it's just, it's been proven. We have a whole episode of of, uh, racist artificial intelligence in the police system. And then when you're going to go ahead and use their lyrics, when you wouldn't use a white person's lyrics, like, against them as, like, armor or as, like, feels so problematic. Yeah. One of the senators that's backing this bill says, the right to free speech is enshrined in our federal and state constitutions. The admission of art as criminal evidence only serves to erode this fundamental right and the use of rap and hip-hop lyrics in particular is emblematic of the systemic racism that permeates our criminal justice system. Mm -hmm. And then Fat Joe, who's backing this with Jay-Z, said, our lyrics are a creative form of self-expression and entertainment just like any other genre. We want our words to be recognised as art rather than being weaponized to get convictions in court. It's, it's like so true. Using a director's film yes. against them. It's like someone painting something and you like something they've thought up, and then you being like, like a knife, and then being like, well, oh wow. Well, you've what obviously you been thinking someone. about it. Yeah, I know. So I think that's nice that the musicians and um, rappers are taking a stand and naughty that Definitely. they even get used. Their lyrics even get used against them. Sorry, they give us art. We cannot just turn around and fucking use it against them. Yeah, I can't wait to follow
0: the story and see what happens. Same,
1: because often nothing does. But such is the world. My last story, a man crashed his car into Taylor Swift's building. (laughs) Early (laughs) last Thursday morning, a man was arrested after he drunkenly drove a car into Taylor Swift's Tribeca apartment building. Now, it's not known whether Taylor Swift was actually at home. She owns a lot of homes, and so true, so she should. Um, I hope she rents them out when she's yeah, like exactly. using them because there's a bit of a housing them for it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so Talking the housing crisis. Apparently, so he crashed into her building. Then he jumped out of the car. He tried to break into the building. He ripped off the door's intercom. He was later arrested and taken to a nearby hospital for evaluation. And he now faces drunk driving charges. So that's just a very light, sugary, naughty,
0: quite terrifying as well. Imagine if she was there. I know,
1: like, and like it's pretty fucking scary. But like, imagine if he was a massive Swiftie, and then he like crashed in, and then he was like sobered up straight away. Holy oh my frick, god, what can I have I, get I done?
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. He tries to break yeah. it while I'm here now. Well, I'm here now, <laughs> and can I just take some of your song lyrics? And, like... But imagine accidentally crashing into somewhere, like no. if you weren't drunk. I know, and then realizing it was Taylor Swift. Like or Taylor Swift's no. apartment.
1: If you weren't drunk, like if it was a pure accident where there was no outside like influence, kind of a good story. At least you should hopefully have insurance. Yeah. Oh God. Are we going to get back to eat, drive, crash? Oh, God. Yeah. Ooh. No. Around <laughs> trip. Not. We are going <laughs> to talk about Spotify, Joe Rogan, platformers versus publishers. But first, we're going to read you a little ad. Okay, love. So I took Ruby's recommendation from last week, and I have started watching The Great. Did you start watching it? Oh, yes. I actually... Did I have. I have. I'm only on the second episode, mm-hmm. but I actually
0: love it. Yeah? The sort of comedy period drama thing. I didn't really know if it would
1: work, but it does. And I feel like Ruby, like, prefaced it to us being she like, did. this is what you're in for. Also, the other night, I just, and I know my flatmates did too, just finished watching Yellow Jackets, which everyone's talking about. It is fucking good. Warning, it is a little bit
0: scary. Yeah, yeah I think I'd have to be in the right mindset, but I think I will
1: get there because I do want to watch it. Yeah, I think you will really like it. And like, to be honest, you should go and watch it. Everyone, you can watch The Great or Yellow Jackets or Euphoria. I mean, we've actually talked about quite a lot of these in the podcast just today. Um, Or whatever your heart desires on Neon, starting with a 14-day free trial because we love free stuff. We do love free stuff. It's also our favourite New Zealand-based streaming service. And
0: it's actually the reason, as you all know, that Culture Vulture exists. So thank you, Neon. We love you.
1: We're obsessed. We love you, Neon. Okay, loose for the
0: prickly section of this podcast, today we are talking about Joe Rogan, Spotify, misinformation, Neil Young, everything under that umbrella. I've got so many thoughts. Oh, honestly, this is quite a big discussion, so sort of
1: strap yourselves strap in. in. Take notes. So basically,
0: since the pandemic began, many content platforms have put in place misinformation policies to stop people sharing misleading or dangerous information about vaccines, treatments and government policies.
1: Yeah, like you'll notice on Instagram, when we post a post that says anything about a vaccine, a little exclamation point or like I information yeah. point and like comes up and it says COVID-19 for proper information, press here. Exactly. So it's, you know they put
0: people towards the place where you should be reading your information, right? So some of these policies are very specific to COVID-19, just like the one that Luce talked about, whereas some are more general but are still quite like applicable to the virus. So Spotify, I'm sure you all know... What Spotify is, it's, you know, yeah. one of the biggest
1: streaming You're services You're probably listening around. to Culture Bunch on Spotify You probably
0: right are. Um, so it's really coming under the microscope in terms of their regulations around COVID-19 mis- and disinformation due to recent reoccurring content on their biggest podcast, The Joe Rogan Experience. So before we get into what has happened and how Spotify is changing their approach to their pandemic misinformation, where Spotify was at before this all kind of came up was that Spotify had told news outlets that it bans in quotes false or dangerous deceptive content about COVID-19 which may cause offline harm and or pose a direct threat to public health but this policy was not actually listed in the company's user Mm. guidelines Mm -hmm. so that's where we're at that's what they had told the media but you couldn't actually see it in the fine print
1: yeah, they've only, like a few days ago, they've decided to publish these guidelines, but a lot of what they've been doing is a bit too little, too late, sort of.
0: Yeah, for sure. So back to the Joe Rogan experience. So I'm sure, again, most of you will know who Joe Rogan mm-hmm. is. Um, I think he he was a comedian. He, he was on Fear
1: Factor. Yes.
0: Um, he's also a UFC commentator, so he sort of wears a lot of different hats, but I think he's mostly famous at the moment for his huge podcast. Like, huge. It's huge. It's the biggest podcast on Spotify. And basically his content is becoming increasingly diverse, especially around COVID-19. And he has been able to share a lot of misinformation that is currently being platformed by Spotify. Mm. So the thing is, as we'll get into a little more later, Spotify actually pays Joe Rogan to be exclusively on their platform. So this is something that we will talk to because it kind of is a game changer.
1: Yeah, I think one other important bit of context when it comes to that Mm. is that They signed this deal, this like basically licensing deal with Mm -hmm. Troy Rogan. In May of 2020, so mm. when the pandemic was all had started, right, it was already here, and he'd already posted on his platforms some like they knew who he was and what he thought about the vaccine stuff. He'd already talked about it. Okay, posted so about it, it wasn't like they oh, knew what they were getting into was yeah. important context. Okay, that
0: is important context. That's great. So basically, the basis of the Joe Rogan experience, if you guys haven't listened to it, is he talks to people with all kinds of different opinions opinions. opinions about Mm. basically everything. And there's such a place for this as well. There is, there definitely is. And obviously a lot of, um, obviously the hot topic at the moment is COVID-19. So this is kind of where it's getting dangerous because Joe Rogan often has medical professionals on his show to discuss really prickly subject matter. But the thing is, he's willing to talk to Anyone, right? And so this means sometimes he features guests who have been banned from other platforms Mm. for violating health information guidelines. Yeah. So as we said, and I think we will get into a deeper discussion on this, there's obviously a place in media for controversial opinions.
1: Yeah, or just for hearing out other people's opinions. Exactly. Obviously. We can't
0: just hear the mainstream narrative Mm -hmm. all the time. And this is sort of the basis of his show. But there have been two recent episodes alongside snippets of other episodes that people are really taking issue with. So he's interviewed a doctor called Dr. Robert Malone and Dr. Peter McCullough, who are two very controversial figures in the medical world. So an assistant professor of psychology and neuroscience at New York University, a guy called Jay Van Beval, who has studied conspiracy theories and misinformation. This is what he said about Dr. Robert Malone, which is the first person I met mentioned. So he said there's a huge market for misinformation. And the way that he's framed in the conspiracy theory world is that he's a courageous whistleblower rather than someone who is spreading misinformation. And it's only enhancing his profile. So that's just a kind of little snippet about maybe the sorts of people that we're talking about. We're not going to go into what they're actually saying because it's not... Yeah our realm right this isn't
1: a podcast about the misinformation or debunking things this is about spotify's role and sort of how we deal with misinformation as a whole
0: for sure like we're a pop culture podcast so we're taking it from the perspective of the media and the role that that Mm. is playing right now so basically this has all been happening on joe rogan's show and people are not liking it. People are starting to speak up. So musician Neil Young has actually spoken out against Spotify in a letter on his website. So Neil Young, he wrote Harvest Moon, which is one of my favorite songs, but he's a pretty huge sort of folk. Okay. Yeah. Um from like 70s was sort of his big period. He said, I want to let Spotify know immediately today that I want all my music off their platform. He said they can have Rogan or Young, not both. And then he writes that he has pulled his music from the streaming platform as he refuses to be on the same site that platforms Joe Rogan and the misinformation he continues to spread around COVID-19. He will lose an estimated 60% of his worldwide streaming income because of this move. So obviously it's not something that he's taken lightly
1: yeah and he did um, he did leave it up to Spotify to make the decision so he didn't pull it himself he said that like you either have me or you have Rogan and then Spotify decided decided well well, actually not via not taking Rogan off That he Yes, yeah, 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 exactly, exactly. So he
0: was, he knew that
1: they wouldn't
0: choose him over Rogan, but that was kind of the thing. It was the ultimatum.
1: Exactly. He also did this after, and I wrote about this in the newsletter, 270 or over 270 doctors actually got together and um, wrote about Joe Rogan's misinformation after these doctors came on his podcast. So then Neil Young, obviously, he didn't just come out of nowhere and be like, it's me or Rogan he was like oh doctors have said that this is fucked and actually no one's listening so yeah. I'll take it kind I, of kudos like. yeah
0: like good on him yeah because this was on January the 10th at the 200 Medical Professionals and Academics they wrote like an open letter to Spotify demanding that the streaming service in quote immediately establish a clear and public policy to moderate misinformation on its platform and they likened Rogan's most controversial episodes to mass information events of devastating proportions that provoke distrust in science and medicine. Um, They said that we are a coalition of scientists, medical professionals, professors, and science communicators spanning a wide range of fields such as microbiology, immunology, epidemiology, and neuroscience, and we are calling on Spotify to take action against the misinformation. They said basically... Joe Rogan has an estimated 11 million listeners per episode, so he has tremendous influence, and that Spotify has the responsibility to mitigate the spread of misinformation on the platform. Um, That's almost three times New Zealand that listen to every single episode. It's absolutely huge. They also said that it's not only a scientific or medical concern, it is a sociological issue of devastating proportions. So basically, it's a huge worry for the world, right? And And
1: Spotify, again, didn't listen to that leader, didn't do anything
0: about it. For sure. So yeah, that's the great context Mm. for why Neil Young has taken it off. He's obviously not a doctor in his own right, but he's listening to them. Yeah. So Neil Young, it's not Neil Young's first politically charged action. Like he's quite well known for political activism. Um, He was quite big in the anti-Bush period. Um, He also had threatened to pull out of a Hyde Park gig with Bob Dylan unless the promoters stopped working with Barclays due to the fact that they fund fossil fuels. Mm. So he seems pretty fucking onto it. Um, He also is hoping that other high-profile artists will follow his lead. So he's hoping that if he comes off, other people will follow and then that will outweigh the benefit of having Joe Rogan on the platform, right? And he's
1: not assuming in any way that like young, independent, small artists do this because obviously... He's got a cushion of money. Exactly. We know that. It's still a good thing that he's done. For sure. And because his audience is maybe a little bit
0: older, you know, he can rely more on CD and vinyl. Sort of people are used to more. Traditional ways of listening. Yeah, exactly. Um, So the only person that has actually followed his lead at the moment is Joni Mitchell. Got off. Canadians. Literally. So Joni Mitchell and Neil Young are actually really good friends, apparently, Mm -hmm. which is quite cute. Um, She wrote on her website, I've decided to remove all my music from Spotify. Irresponsible people are spreading lies that are costing people their lives. I stand in solidarity with Neil Young and the global scientific and medical communities on the issue. So both Joni Mitchell and Neil Young actually contracted polio when they were children just a few years before the vaccine came out to combat it. So they both have like really personal experiences with a potentially dangerous illness that could have... They could have been saved by a vaccine sort of thing. Oh, my God. So I think that's where a real, you know... Well, they know the other side
1: of this. Like, a lot of us haven't, you know, had an illness that if someone... That if we didn't get vaccinated, we would have really suffered from it. These two have. For sure. And while Joni Mitchell and Neil Young have actually removed their shit from Spotify, Prince Harry and Meghan Markle, who also have an exclusive Spotify deal... Um, confirmed publicly that they've raised like private concerns about misinformation. Brené Brown has announced mm. that she's not going to be releasing any new episodes on like of her Spotify podcast oh, yeah. until further notice. She didn't say why, but it came out of like time coincided yeah. and then James Blunt British singer said uh, as oh, a I joke um, that he will release new music if Spotify fails to act so that's like amazing. you either act or I'm coming back <laughs>
0: I'm coming back so fucking be prepared and
1: honestly uh, that's good from James Blunt God, yeah good
0: comedic value from James Blunt in a quite I, um, sort of blunt way <laughs> yeah in a quite blunt way <laughs> I was going to say devastating time but um, so this is sort of very much the classic argument of like misinformation versus freedom of speech. So it's one of the fundamental struggles of digital media. We've probably talked about it quite a lot, I would say, over a series of different issues that keeps sort of rearing its head. But one of the main factors in this debate is money. So the Joe Rogan experience... As we said before, is Spotify's biggest podcast and they paid a hundred million dollars for exclusive rights to the show. So because it brings in eleven million streams a week, like that's fucking crazy. Yeah. It brings in a whole lot of traction to Spotify and so therefore it brings in a shitload of money. So if they start censoring it, they're just going to lose out. I mean,
1: this is the whole debate, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, Spotify are so financially motivated to keep Joe Rogan there, to keep him happy. Much more financially motivated than Neil Young. But, yes. like, th- like, what does that say for art? Right. Like, I'm sorry.
0: It's I get scary. it. Another element to this conversation is that misinformation sp- itself sparks a lot of traction. Yeah. So, like, they are Monetarily benefiting off of any sort of misinformation because it's more emotionally charged, and therefore people are, that's like an
1: incentive in itself to even listen to it. Mm-hmm. So engagement is engagement. Exactly. they don't even have to like they don't even have to blame that rate. L- saying, I yeah, I use it all the time, copyright. Um, they don't even have to blame algorithms or they can't even blame algorithms like buy paying for Joe Rogan. They knew what they were getting into. They knew they were going to get the attention no matter what he said. Like, they're just so motivated to have him there and to not, like, to not take down any of his shit. Like, I actually, this is probably jumping for, but just I saw some leaked messages from one of the, like, head moderators that said that, like... None of his episodes actually like met the threshold for removal under their policies. And so it's like, why do you have policies? Yeah, like where What's is the your point threshold? of them? What's is the that, threshold? Yeah, is or having bent it for Joe Rogan?
0: For sure, that is the question. Also, it's alleged that if marketers buy ads on Joe Rogan's podcast, they also have to buy ads on the rest of Spotify's catalogue too. Meaning that like Joe Rogan's Success brings them more advertised to the rest of the catalogue. Yeah. So even more
1: reason for them to keep them on. Oh, they're so financially motivated. I just feel like that's that's a given. It's obvious that they're not going to do anything to jeopardise that. But I think the most important or most interesting conversation for me, because mm-hmm. we work in the media, is that by paying for Joe Rogan to be on your platform, you are no longer just a platform where anyone can like upload their shit and it's like a free-for-all. You are curating and becoming a publisher of content so you have responsibility because you are the reason that
0: they are there. For sure. It's not like even Instagram where people can be like, Because Instagram Instagram doesn't pay, they don't pay people. No, they don't. So it's like they can be like, we just host content. Yes, we don't have a hand in what's. And I what guess you they, see or what yeah, you listen to. I guess they do in terms of algorithms, but not monetarily, yeah. right? So yeah, this is the huge sort of line in the sand, I would say. And that would that just means that Spotify has way more responsibility yeah. over the information that they are platforming because and they're paying $100 million for it. I was going
1: to say, it completely changes the game. And mm-hmm. it, this is not about cancel culture. It's really, really redundant to make this an argument about cancel culture or like, censorship like we've said there is actually totally a place for joe rogan or people like joe rogan i mean there's a few things that i'm sure we're going to get into but like i think this is less about one person and like his mass spread of Mm -hmm. his weird values or whatever he wants to talk about and more about spotify not taking responsibility or failing to recognize that by paying him They are now a publisher, and they have responsibility to look at what they're publishing. I'm sick of the content moderation is too hard argument. I know audio moderation is hard. You can have a rep listen to Joe Rogan's shit. If it's going to 11 million people per day, and you've paid him 100 million, you have enough money to pay two people to listen to his podcast first. This is the thing. I'm sick of that argument. Yeah. Content moderation is too hard. I'm sick of the out. I'm getting quite enraged. I'm sick of the like out being we're going to publish some some guidelines or we're going to put a little tag saying it's COVID-19 so you need to go and look here. People aren't going to go and look at the. Who, how many of us actually go and click and look at those things? It's like reading the ingredients on a muesli bar. You, you know, you're not going to read through all the ingredients before you eat it. And so it's just like. For sure. I think these things are not enough. If you're paying these people, get someone to moderate it. Yeah, exactly. And listen to if it. you're
0: getting eleven million streams, that is just a huge, huge, huge amount of influence. You cannot use the argument anymore that it is just an you know, oh, I'm just a small time person, I'm just having these conversations, which is actually what Joe Rogan said in his sort of response to this, which we will get into a little later as well. But it's just like also they have enforced the COVID nineteen rules against some lower profile figures, mm. such as Australia's Pete. Evans, who we've talked about before on ages ago Mm -hmm. on the podcast, very problematic guy. Um, as his show was removed from Spotify in January 2021 due to COVID-19 misinformation, um, however, Joe Rogan has said that Spotify has not tried to police his content at all. Um, this is a quote from Joe Rogan. He said, Spotify has asked me to change nothing. They've never. They've been amazing. I'm very happy with them. Especially when you tell me things like interviews that you do get removed off YouTube. That's not happening to me.
1: Yeah, and it's like, of course, it's not happening to you for all yeah. the reasons we've just talked about. Also, something that we didn't really touch on when we were talking about the celebrities coming forward to take the content, uh, to try and get Spotify to do something about this is like, normal people were already having such issue with Joe Rogan, some of his, um, what he was saying. But it took, like, celebrities coming out and speaking out against it. Like, even doctors. They didn't listen to doctors. They didn't listen to the outrage of normal people. It's just something else to say about you only care when it affects your bottom line. Yes, and this is also when people say
0: that pop culture is not important because obviously celebrities hold such power in not only the pop culture world but in the fucking medical world as well. So it's like this is valid. This is why we do this podcast.
1: Us just being like, this is why we're talking about this, guys. We're not just wasting our time. Yeah,
0: exactly. (laughs) But also back to the whole like, you know, content creation thing and how big it is now. Like, that's, the world needs to change because you can no longer say that it's the, just these few content creators. Like, content creators are now a huge part oh my of God. the media ecosystem. And therefore, the rules need to change. And I feel like they're just not changing fast enough with the growth and the influence of content creators.
1: And it's just, it's always too hard, Basket. Like, yeah. we, we're just a platform. We have all these people uploading shit. And it's like, yeah, I actually want everyone to be able to upload whatever they want. But maybe if you showed us, like, you... Oh no. Every week you said these are the updates we've made to our algorithm so you can see the shit that we're choosing to highlight and the shit that we're choosing to push down. Like a bit of transparency maybe is the start. You're yeah,
0: definitely or just like you need to start getting lawyers and you need to start really like creating the system. Yeah. Right. But where the thing it is, when in. they
1: do that, then they move if they're just a platform, then they move from being a publisher. So they become liable for everything that's published mm. on their platform. Section two thirty, we've got a really good video. Extremely online about
0: this it's like it needs to all be rethought
1: now because oh, the whole thing
0: is so different to when section 230 was written and into when you know these yeah. content
1: platforms came into being literally so it's so much easier for a twitter for example mm-hmm. to just have to not one not pay anyone to use their platform and to just have like a hands-off approach obviously they have low-level like guidelines and blah 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 because then they're not going to be like what's happening with Spotify, they're not going to get told, no, you're acting as an editor, like you are legally liable for all of this. It's so much easier for them to just be hands off. But it's like Substack, you guys probably haven't followed this, but the newsletter platform, they give advances to some writers. And so by that way, it's exactly like what Spotify is doing with Joe Rogan. They are paying certain people with certain views. So they are taking editorial like control a little bit, or at least having input. Mm. So when these people say transphobic things, it is on you a little bit. Like exactly. You've paid them. If they were just there using your platform, fine. They're doing that off their own volition. Is that even the word? I don't know. I don't know either. I don't know. <laughs> this shit, this platform platform versus
0: publisher shit is so interesting to me. It's so interesting and actually when you're talking about Substack, the one of the doctors, one of the controversial doctors that he had on also was talking about his Substack and how... That's he how get, he communicates. Mm, I don't know
1: whether he gets yeah. paid to talk, yeah. to yeah. write. Sorry, but it's still really interesting, I think right? They great like comparisons to make with each other to like sort of make it make sense. Again, it's not about taking Joe Rogan off the ear. It's no. just about getting people to just listen to these really big, heavily listened to podcasts
0: for sure. Because basically, Joe Rogan issued a response, a ten minute video to instagram Mm -hmm. where he talked about everything and to be honest it was a pretty good response i thought the exact same thing yeah i was quite impressed with the way that he kind of
1: went around the subject matter um he took a lot of responsibility i mean in doing that he sort of said spotify has like spotify is the one to blame but he made some really good points about scheduling and flattening yes
0: And also, he made points saying, I like, we're just having conversations. This started off as me just chatting with my mates, and then suddenly I got more and more people. And this is the thing. And as we say with our podcast, we aren't experts. And he's obviously not an expert either. But it's the thing is, when you get these huge followings, it doesn't actually matter if you're an expert or not. Like, you know, there has to be some safety precaution put in place. Especially if you're
1: bringing other people on. Like, you're not the expert, but they are in their weird field, even if it is an expert in spreading misinformation. For sure. As I said, all
0: he does is have conversations with different people. That's how he sees it. He said, in quote, I do not know if they're right. I'm not a doctor. I'm not a scientist. I'm just a person that sits down and talks to people and has conversations with them. Do I get things wrong? Absolutely, I get things wrong. But I try to correct them. I'm interested in telling the truth. I'm interested in finding out what the truth is.
1: He shouldn't have tagged that last bit on the end because he's saying, I don't know what's right or wrong, and then saying, I'm interested in telling the truth. Well, like, how can you tell what's the truth if you don't know what's right or wrong? For sure. It's a little bit of a cop-out. Even sometimes when we say we're not experts, it's a little bit of a, like, hedge because you don't know the whole story because you will never know the whole story we say it in terms of like we don't know the life experiences of everyone and we don't know the context of everything in this country because blah, blah, you blah. can't as a yeah. person you just can't but he's sort of saying it in the way that's like I'm just facilitating a conversation it's harmless what will be will be Which, to a point, what will be, will be. But then when you're saying, I'm interested in telling the truth, it's like, well, then maybe get some things, some researchers or something to make sure you are. I think he's totally
0: underestimating how many people, um, how many streams, 11 million streams.
1: Or he's just, like, choosing to come off that way as the bit of the everyman that's like, I don't get my influence. That's true. It's a little bit of a PR thing. Yeah. He's
0: also said... um, how to rectify this he said he doesn't really know but maybe it's to try harder to get people with differing opinions on right after as you said I with thought the that scheduling. was a good that call. was a good call a, definitely a good If you're going to promote
1: this person then get
0: someone right
1: after that right after after has to, the other view. Exactly
0: and he's also tried to get people to debate mm. other people which I think would be really interesting yeah. but I guess. Fucking terrifying. Yeah te- fucking terrifying and a huge risk for people. Yes. Um. He also said I also need to make sure that I've done my best to research these topics especially the controversial ones and have all the pertinent facts at hand before I discuss them I sort of think he should have been doing that yeah I sort of
1: think this is a really funny comment because the whole issue is people going off and doing their own research and like that's sometimes his issue as well like doing your own research when you actually have scientists or whatever that you should be just listening to. And so it's funny because it's like, now you're just going to do that a bit harder and it could go either way. For sure. I would be really
0: interested to see
1: whether he does have a team behind I him. Well, he, he must have a team. I mean, he did in that 10-minute video, which again, he seemed like a really likeable dude in the video. Oh, Very everyman vibes. Very. But I did think him saying like, I do the scheduling myself, I, like, need to try and get people with differing opinions. I was like, yeah, you probably do or you have a say, but there's no way it's just you. And if it is just you, that's really
0: problematic and you need other people behind you. Yeah. Because if you don't have a team and you've got
1: 11 million people... Then you are so clouded. Your judgment is so just like, yeah, how do you know what to do? Like, if it is just him, feel sorry for the dude for sure.
0: So, it's just a really interesting conversation. So, Spotify CEO Daniel Eck, has re- has issued a news release this Sunday, and he has basically said that his con- his company will introduce a content advisory to any episode to any podcast episode that discusses anything to do with COVID-19, whether the podcast has interviews with internationally recognized public health experts or disseminates potential misinformation. Um, he has also said that Spotify will direct listeners to a dedicated coronavirus hub with links to trusted sources. Basically, you can go onto Spotify's website and they've got like bullet points of everything they're going to do to combat
1: it yeah and then this is what you were talking about before of when you said like they didn't really have a public they had this policy but it wasn't really public and it should have been and now they've sort of made it public again it's a little bit like you lead a horse to water you can't make it drink like you can give people all these resources but like letting the podcast so say there's a really really dangerous podcast People are gonna listen to that and then not go and look at the of course click they the will. links and their costs. It's like the Ts and Cs. We yeah, don't read it's them. exactly like the Ts and C's. So that's
0: a bit like it's a bit more like just covering their asses yeah. rather than
1: actually like trying. it's reactive
0: rather than proactive exactly rather than trying to do something that they know will kind of stand in the way of mm. the misinformation
1: and then it's hard because it's like obviously free speech I mean we operate our whole platform on the fact that we can say how we feel like what we feel and what we want but it is again different if you're paying someone if they have that many listens then you'd like that is where your responsibility and whatever way shape or form it is there is some responsibility you need to take. Should not take Neil Young or Jodie Mitchell coming in and being, being like taking away their music. Yeah, fucking clean your act up. Yeah, I know. So fucking huge, huge huge issues at hand. That's right? Really interesting. Like that chat is so interesting because for so many people, the platform platform versus publisher argument would just sound like this niche, like Tech or media thing that they don't have to worry about, but it's like actually in our everyday lives, it's so important. Essentially,
0: everything that you watch, everything that you listen to, anything that's hosted
1: on any yeah. site. Unless like- it's all user generated, then it's like someone's paid for that to be there and they have a responsibility. Anyway, love, is that all you've got? That's all I've got on <laughs> I'm sure
0: we've only sort of touched the tip of the iceberg. Probably not
1: experts not but experts. actually it kind of sounded like it then hey <laughs> <laughs> yeah, guys trying trying in the back <laughs> we're just trying to find the truth. that's all we're trying to do. <laughs> also Joe Rogan does follow us on Instagram and I just do wonder I actually would be too scared to interview him I think would you? If we did our yeah. research fuck we would have to do like months of research. Uh, we'd almost have to get someone to research him for us because um, I just don't know if I could do it without fucking critical terrifying. <laughs> anyway tell me tell me what's on your radar. Tell me what's on your radar this week. Oh, Okay,
0: what is on my radar? Another neon show. Station Eleven. Yes, I've been told about
1: this. Yes. Apparently the book's amazing. Yes, I read the book. I did, like,
0: first year of English Lit at yeah. uni, and it was one of the books um, that I had to read for the course. It was really good. Sort of like science fiction, which is not my usual mm-hmm. genre. Um... Yeah, really? I can't even really remember the plot Apparently it's about
1: like a flu epidemic or something, but it's actually not depresso to watch during COVID-19 times.
0: Yeah, and I remember it being good. So I'm really excited to watch the TV show of Station Eleven because I kind of want to read... Joke my memory. Yeah. It would be like watching something new, to be honest. Yes.
1: Um, yeah, so that's what's on my radar. What about you, Liz? Um I've got King Richard, which we've been <gasps> yes. talking about a lot, which is about Venus and Serena Williams and their dad and the role he had to play. He's played by Will Smith. It's going to be really good, and me and Liv have been meaning to watch it for ages. And we've also started playing tennis, so
0: we oh, are the yeah. new Venus and Serena.
1: And you would have all read about that um, if you read the <laughs> daily newsletter.
0: We are very good. <laughs>
1: Also, Lena Dunham's new film, Sharp. Style. Dick. So I want to watch this because I watched Girls and she hasn't released something in ages. She's had a lot of her own, like, health issues and things like that she's been quite vocal about. Anyway, the film apparently is about a woman called Sarah Joe who is a naive 26-year-old living on the fringes of Hollywood with her mother and sister. She just longs to be seen, Liv. When she begins in a <laughs> as affair, we all do, as, as we, we all, all do. do. When she begins an affair with her older employer, she is thrust into an education on sexuality, loss and power. Ooh. And that sounds up my alley. Yeah, god yeah. That sounds like sounds great. something I wanna watch. Oh, and we've got some evening watches. I know. To sort of so like through. do less, lose and live. Just start That's watching sweet. some TV shows. Euphoria, some- King Richard. I would you wanna watch that tonight? King Richard. Yeah, yeah low-key. Oh, no, I want to watch Euphoria tonight. Okay, Euphoria tonight, King, King Richard. Richard tomorrow. Yeah. Ruby, you can come. <laughs> anyway, before we talk years off any more with our mundane plans. Please, please, please come and come and give us a rating. You can do it on Spotify or Apple Pods. Make sure you're subscribed. You can subscribe to the Daily Newsletter as well if you want. Follow us on Instagram. Listen to the shit show. Massive thank you to Tiaha Butler, our gorgeous, wonderful, amazing producer. And to Neon. Oh, my God. Neon, you rule. And live to you. Thank you. <laughs> and to you, Lucy. <laughs> with the pink hair. Rocking it, as always. Obsessed. Bye, everyone. Bye.